Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through Matrix on November the 11th, 2011. For newcomers, help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and if you can get read yourself through them, there's a lot to choose from. There's hundreds of audios to choose from uh, for free download. You'll begin to understand the big system you live in and, and what you really get right off the bat is the fact that those who rule the present have already set up the future to ensure that they'll always rule. That's how they did it in the past too. It's always been the same system. George Orwell touched on this too and he should know because he was up amongst them working with them. So as I say, things don't just stumble along and big social movements don't come out of the blue by themselves. Generally they're well directed and funded and always for a different purpose than the one that you realize. You always find out the big boys want you to protest something or demand something because they have another part of, of uh, something to change, an agenda to change or a system to change that already oversees you. And that's what's coming about today uh, because the, the, even the protest groups, lots of people who are just really fed up with the banks, we're all fed up with the banks, everyone across the whole planet is, always have been. And uh, But the fact is that there are other powerful forces behind it too because they want to bring up the World Bank, the IMF and so on. And you'll find the history of that if you read Carol Quigley's documentation, Tragedy and Hope, the book, and the other one called The Anglo-American Establishment. We all documented about a group who set up a long time ago, 100 years ago, to take over the resources of the whole entire planet, all resources. And in fact, we resources too, of course, human resources. So help yourself to the audios. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. You can help me take along here by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. And you can also donate as well because it's often the donations occasionally here and there that pull me through the month just to pay off what I owe. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order from your post office or send cash or use PayPal. You'll find out how to do it at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. Across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and again, PayPal. And remember, again, straight donations are awfully welcome in these hard times because I don't bring on advertisers, I don't have shares and products and sell them to you, uh, so I just depend on you to, to keep it all going here. But as I say, if you go into the website, you'll find you can also get, apart from the audios, you'll find you can get transcripts in English and other languages. Uh, in other languages, go into Alan Watts Sentient, sentinel.eu for transcripts, and you can print them up and uh, read them at your leisure. But that's how the world really is. Uh, we always end up pro- protesting against something or demanding something which the big boys want to bring in. And now, of course, it's time that Bretton Woods Part 2 comes in, and you'll find that the, the founder of that talked about that before he died. There would be a Part 2 to it, where they'd raise up the, the Bank for International Settlements, World Bank, and uh, also the IMF to its proper role of running the entire monetary supply of the entire planet, and all debts, loans, and everything else, too, for all countries. 
and that's what's come out of the European Union. They've pretty well got what they wanted there. They've got a massive uh, amalgamated central private bank running them there under the IMF, and it's to be the same across the rest of the world. That's what these big uh, planned crashes are all about. Now, it doesn't mean that there it shouldn't be a bank crash. Of course, they're all selling bubbles and, and just raping and pillaging as it went along there as they resold home after home and, and jacked the prices up and sold it to the next big bank. They were all in on the scam. They knew it would come down, but that was intention. Make hay while the sun shines. And then, of course, they get into the next part of the system with the same banks in charge. That's really what it's all about. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and it's interesting that in different countries they celebrate Veterans Day and Remembrance Day in the British Commonwealth countries for all the guys that fought in all these wars we have no clue why they were really fighting generally except for a couple of major ones the rest of it's all geopolitics and of course it's also parts as I say of this plan to take over all the resources of the world and that's never been more obvious than today we're the generation living through the obvious part of it all but we find that the movements the US has so many bases across the world it's just astounding and I've, I've talked about them before and it goes all the way back to Reagan and uh, Gene uh, was Kirkpatrick came up with the idea of, uh, since we've got a big, big job to do of policing the world, and we've got more wars to fight eventually down the road, why not just uh, put up permanent bases across the world rather than go in when something starts and build and then build a temporary structure, make them permanent, and they've been building them across the entire planet. And I bet you anything, too, when China takes over, uh, and it will be arranged the United Nations, that will be so, because it was talked about back in the 40s that China, in the 50s, that China would eventually take over as a policeman of the world, uh, that uh, they'll hand it over to China. So thank you again, American taxpayer. But anyway, the U.S. are moving into Australia now because, and I think personally it's partly to do with uh, the such radiation in uh, parts of Japan where American bases were. And they pulled out so many ships there because of the high radiation content. And it's going to be like that for half a million years, who knows how long, uh, with the pollution of radiation. So they're moving into Australia. And it says, U.S. Marines in Darwin, it says, the U.S. will have a permanent new military presence in Australia. They already have some already in different parts. Uh, by rotating Marines through a base in Darwin, U.S. President Barack Obama is set to announce. Uh, Mr. Obama will make the announcement with Prime Minister Julia Gillard, uh, when they visit Darwin next Thursday, during his first visit to Australia's president, the Sydney, Sydney Morning Herald reports. So this is about the rise of China and the modernization of the People's Liberation Army. You know, the guys who are selling us all the products and hold all the debt, you know. <laughs> and particularly it's about the increased vulnerability of U.S. forces in Japan and Guam to the new generation of Chinese missiles. Alan DuPont, uh, the Michael Hertz or hints, Professor of International Security at Sydney University told the newspapers. 
the new Chinese missiles could threaten them in a way they've never been able to before. So the U.S. is starting to reposition them to make them less vulnerable. These things are obsolete. I hope you understand that. Even Kissinger and others said the same thing when they talked about the technotronic warfares and, uh, and mentioned weather modification, especially weather modification or weather warfare. Uh, because uh, they say that now with weather warfare, they can take a country so fast uh, with using natural uh, techniques, basically creating tornadoes, massive hundreds and thousands if they need be in an area, wiping out a whole continent if they need be, uh, and soaking them uh, or else doing the slow way of, of drought uh, that uh, it makes that bomb and the H-bomb obsolete. So anyway, we've got to keep spending, 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 and that's disposable income as far as the government's concerned. They, they like this disposable stuff, and that's what light wars too. Every shell has to get replaced, every missile has to get replaced, or it's made obsolete in a month's time, and they can, and of course the manufacturers come up with Mark II, three to 150 or whatever, and it's a great business for them as well. So anyway, they're moving them in there, and that's just a little bit of information. And, you know, <laughs> Society is so finished now, as far as I'm concerned, uh, because we've lost everything that, that made across the, the world really. Countries are not countries anymore. They're just, oh, they're almost wastelands of humans with not much to do except take drugs and especially the youngsters, uh, in these inner cities, the, the big cities across England too, that it's incredible. Living in places are falling apart basically. And, uh, and, and again, they're all expected to pay masses tax money to, to bail out all these other countries in Europe, etc., etc. And there's nothing left for them. There's no future that they can see except to shoot up heroin. And, of course, the, that's being imported by the shiploads, all the docks. And um, it's such squalor is terrible. There's no hope. They're nihilistic. And that was designed. This apathy and nihilism was designed a long time ago. Because even Bertrand Russell said in the 50s, eventually nihilism will be brought in and, and that will create apathy. Apathy is a great technique for people to be. What they do is turn on each other. They don't turn on authorities and it keeps their minds on each other rather than the authorities. So all this worked out, all the reactions, and they've been pretty correct up until now. But what's also happening too is that, you see, all your systems, uh, especially to do with local councils, up to even state and federal councils across the world, are utterly, utterly corrupt. They're, they're utterly corrupt these days. And um, there's been so many exposés in the British councils about them scamming, uh, these, these councils scamming so much money for them, uh, for themselves, and uh, they should be going to roads and maintenance and all the rest of it. And they become little petty emperors in their own little areas. So this article here is about councils lose £7 million, which is a drop in the bucket, and false bank account scams, which obviously councillors are in on. And it says here, councils have always been conned out of more than... They've been, they've been conned out of £7 million by criminals using information put on their own websites under transparency drives, a survey says. The government's encouraging this. The Audit Commission said officials were being tricked. They're not being tricked. They're, they're in on it into making payments intending for building firms and, and contractors into false bank accounts. It's emerged that from the survey of the 480 public sector organizations. And Housing Minister Sharp, uh, Grant Sharp said it was disappointing some councils had not heeded advice on combating fraud. Well, as I say, it's integral to the system now. The fraud is rampant through uh, the underworld and the overworld. You see, it's all pretty, pretty well won now. 
And you'll find too, as, as, as things get, inflation gets massive, taxation goes even higher, and then carbon taxes come in. Uh, that's when really the survival of the fittest for the psychopath just kicks into overdrive. Uh, and from the little gang at the bottom to, to, to local councils, uh, city councils, all the rest of it, uh, these are the ones who, who end up on top using every, every device they can. That's the way it is. Says the Audit Commission found that councils across England detected more than £185 million worth of fraud last year, up 37% on 2009 and 10. Well, that's what you're going to get. And as, as things get more expensive, inflation goes up, you keep bailing out foreign banks and going into austerity, there's going to be more and more petty crime. And it's as simple as that. There's no rocket science here. So council said fraud cases were rising because the current economic climate was putting pressure on people's personal finances and tempting them to commit fraud. Well, eventually it'll be the only way they can survive, those that can survive, and who will break the rules, you see, and uh, and try to sustain themselves in a better lifestyle. Um, fraud will be the only thing that's left for them. I mean, what can you say about the system that runs them? Look at the fraud that's committed just amongst their politicians or their parliaments. Case after case, every week of, uh, you know, diddling their expense accounts by thousands of pounds per month and so on, and slapping their wrist, no no big deal. How's that for an example? Eh? Yeah, they're coming down on the little guys at the bottom. They also said a reduction in staff numbers due to cutbacks was weakening internal fraud controls. No, there's a lot of nonsense. Anyway, it says criminals from the UK and overseas have sent legitimate-looking letters based on creditor information published on the Internet to persuade officials. You don't have to persuade officials. They're quite happy to put the hand out, believe you me, to change accounts, uh, details, and redirect payments to them. That takes collaboration with the crooks. (laughs) But that's what we've got to look forward to as the, the, the countries go down. More and more and more of this. And uh, as I say, it ends up, we're literally the psychopaths at all levels, from the guys at the bottom, the gangs that club folk to death and uh, mug them and so on, and run the local booze cans, the local uh, place where you pick up your, your heron for the night. Uh, these guys rise to the top uh, during these times, and everyone above them too, and all, all the officials as, as well, the psychopaths amongst them rise to the top. Everything becomes a gang, everything. I'm pure about that link tonight too, uh, cutting through the matrix about the facts about the global super rich. And it's really a chart and so on. And it's usual stuff, percentage, etc. Uh, about who owns the wealth. 0.5 of the world's population owns 38.5% of its wealth. And the usual comments like, this is insane. Well, no kidding. Eh? And the bottom two thirds account for just 3.3% of wealth. And it gives you comparisons, etc. Countries. And and so on. And um, it says China, India, Latin America, and Africa account for 56% of the world's population, but just 16% of its wealth. And and it says here, the U.S. is home to 21% of people who have more than $100,000 in wealth. Uh, Japan is home to 16%. And those numbers are even more concentrated when you look at millionaires. One third of the world's millionaires live in the U.S., uh, Sweden and Switzerland each have 2% of global membership, but a much smaller fraction of the global population. And those numbers are even more concentrated when you look at millionaires, etc., etc., and, and bigger in the billionaires. 
and the number of ultra-high net worth individuals is growing, due in part to the fact that the past decade has been especially conducive to the establishment of large fortunes, according to Credit Suisse. And the number of ultra-high net worth individuals is, is going up and up all the time. And it says this year Europe surpassed the U.S. in terms of the number of high net worth residents who own between $1 million and $50 million. So I'll put this one up too. You can yawn through this one. But uh, it's no surprise at all because you've got to really have money to start with. Uh, you have to be born into the right families and peoples sometimes at that too uh, to get that kind of start to, into the, the areas where you can accumulate a lot of wealth. You won't get it by hard work. That's, that's an old fallacy. Now, soldiers, you know, I, I really don't have much time for soldiers because... Um, they're really just mercenaries. I understand why they go into the army. Most of them, most of them are from the lower classes who can't get a job. But of course, some of them end up doing the most horrific things. Maybe for promotion, I don't know. Back with more after this break. We're back, cutting through the matrix, and as I say, soldiers, you know, come really for the lower classes. They're the cannon fodder. They're called the pawns on the chessboard, and it doesn't really matter what happens to them once they leave the service. Most of them die off through drugs or disease that they've got in the military, and that's okay. No one really cares. And um, it's okay when they're in action and they're killing off the enemy, whoever has been designated to be the enemy, and they do kill them off, whoever it happens to be. Uh, even if you know nothing at all about them, doesn't really matter. But that's just the way it is. They're just a part of this modern system of where uh, p- politics fails, basically, uh, and diplomacy fails. You, you, you just end up getting a war to get what you what you want, and it's always been that way. So they're disposable, really, as long, but as long as they kill the enemies, that's all that matters for the boys who run commerce. And it says here, American soldier gets life sentence for conviction in thrill killings of Afghan civilians. And it says, a military jury sentenced an Afghan war veteran to life in prison after the army staff sergeant was convicted of murder, conspiracy, and other charges in the deaths of civilians and one of the most gruesome cases to emerge from the conflict. A lot of this goes on in all forces, actually. Uh, just that occasionally, mainly they're, they're hushed up and they're, they're kept under wraps. And it says, Staff Sergeant Calvin Gibbs of Billings, Montana, was accused of exhorting his board underlings to slaughter three Afghan civilians for support. I don't think this is the first one time this has happened in the U.S. But it says, the jury for the court-martial joint's base, Lewis McCord, south of Seattle, sentenced Gibbs Thursday to life in prison. But he'll, he'll be eligible for parole in less than nine years. 26-year-old soldier was the highest ranking of five soldiers charged in deaths of armed men and during patrols in Kandahar province early last year. It's probably the same bunch. At his seven-day court-martial, he acknowledged cutting fingers off corpses and yanking out a victim's tooth to keep his war trophies, just like keeping the antlers off a deer you'd shot. That's what it says. But he insisted he wasn't involved in the first just the third killings, and in the second he merely returned fire. So even the two other guys, of course, turned on him and gave, uh, testified against him to get a lighter sentence, I guess. So the jury deliberated for about four hours before convicting him in all charges. The sentencing hearings began immediately after the verdict was announced, with the prosecutor, uh, Major, Major Andre LeBlanc, asking for the maximum life without parole. 
But the thing is, what they did too was they killed folk and just plants and planted guns next to them, much like the police do back home, eh? I mean, that's what's been going on forever. Throw a knife or a gun down, I had to shoot them, you see. Uh, but uh, taking trophies is not really an unusual thing. I've seen um, different guys in different forces, Britain, Canada, states, that show off their photographs. They all take photographs when they're first blooded, as they say, next to the corpses that are shot. Sometimes they stick a finger in the hole just to show how bravado uh, is and so on. And I think gruesome things like that. So there's nothing really new in this, but they just don't want this leaking out to the public. We're supposed to think it's all hygienic. You know, we hear these terms, surgical strikes, and, and we think of hygiene right away. We don't realize that, you know, people in schools have just been blown up. And uh, they try to hygienize war, which you simply cannot do. It's a gruesome thing, very primitive, and it's all about sticking things in folk or blowing things through them. And uh, that's, that's basically it, you know. That's what you expect. This is the height of mankind, humankind, 21st century, and it's worse now than ever. Anyway, other countries have got it bad too, where they're all collapsing with their societies and culture and so on. And uh, in some countries like Australia, they're giving them power to frisk children now in schools and, and outside schools too. Police will be granted the power to frisk teenagers or children for alcohol after a state government committee recommended the new powers be passed as law. Queensland's police service pushed for its scope under the Police Powers and Responsibilities Act to be widened to include a pat-down of young people who were suspected of carrying alcohol in May this year. The report released by the Legal Affairs, Police Corrective Services and Emergency Service Committee this afternoon said it supported the motion so long as police kept a record of all minors who were frisked and pending a review after five years. Uh, it's, it's also training all children uh, for their future. This is the future that they must grow up in. It's totalitarian. It's like all the science fiction movies that have fed us over the years uh, to get us all ready for it. In the U.S. and some countries are already ready for it. They've, they've grown up going through metal detectors and, and so on and opening their school satchels just to show them what they've got inside. So they're already trained that, you know, to walk. They're already trained before they leave school to go to airports and get patted down there and walk through the, the, the x-ray machines. It's all training. I was trained in advance. Uh, the cattle, we're all cattle, you see at the bottom. The elite don't do this, of course. They have special uh, airports for their private jets and stuff like that and, uh, you know, privileges. It's a world of privileges. Democracy, you see, if you look at democracy, if they use the British base, it's very elastic. You can keep stretching it. And, uh, but, because uh, there's never a, a constant definition of it. But in Britain, um, they've been, uh, it's such an elitist system there, the home of utter snobbery. It's got so much in common with India. Uh, I'm surprised more folk don't put it together. The, the class system is a caste system. And in India, it's horrendous to the caste system. It will always be horrendous in India. I don't think it will ever get it out of them. And, uh, and, and that's why the elite in Britain got on so well with the big, the big wigs in India a long time ago. There's so much in common. But uh, this training is, is just get them all ready for, in advance for what they must ex- experience later on in life. This is the system, uh, this wonderful new world order. And, uh, of course, I was heard to ensure that radiation levels across Europe have been detected are higher than normal. Uh, I love how it's higher than normal, but don't seem to pose a health hazard. When we know that all the top guys have said there's no safe level of radiation. And the longer you get, even the lowest dose, the worse it is for your DNA to 
metabolize into something nasty. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm back, carrying through the matrix, just talking about the, this uh, release of radiation across Europe, which they're claiming is not from Japan. Said the, the agency said the cause was not known, but was not the result of Japan's Fukushima uh, nuclear disaster, which spread radiation across the globe in March. Well, it's been s- still spreading radiation across the, the, the globe, if you look into the, to the investigators in Japan itself. Of course it is. And I read one last week, I think it was, the highest levels of radiation of all time from the very beginning were released about a week ago. So, I mean, it's still coming off the moxie fuel and everything else. Anyway, they talk about iodine-131 here. It says, the very low levels of iodine-131, isn't this something you would tell a baby? You know, don't worry, go to sleep. The very low levels of iodine-131, this is one that gives you uh, thyroid cancer and so on, have been measured in the atmosphere, the agency said in a statement. It said such radioisotope will lose much of its radiation in about eight days. They're so, so precise with everything, but they don't know where it's coming from. Eh? Who's kidding who? However, an official familiar with the matter who asked for anonymity because he was not authorized to comment said so the release appeared to be continuing. So it's continuing. And uh, just wonderful how, how they tell us stuff, isn't it? In Prague, an official at the Czech State Office for Nuclear City said there was 100% sure that the radiation had not come from any Czech nuclear power plant or from any other source on Czech territory. Speaking on condition of anonymity, as he wasn't authorized to talk to media, the official said tests are underway around the country to try and identify the source. They can tell from satellite where the source is. They know this. The Czechs are betting heavily on nuclear power and have plans to dramatically increase production, a move that would give the country a place amongst Europe's most nuclear-dependent nations. They currently rely on six nuclear reactors for 33% of their total electricity, and the government hopes to at least double that output. In stark contrast to its neighbours, German Chancellor Angela Merkel's government decided to phase out nuclear energy by 2022, following the meltdown at the Fukushima plants, and Switzerland has followed suit. Austria abandoned nuclear energy after 1986 Chernobyl nuclear disaster and strictly opposes the Czech nuclear program. It's dangerous to get a program nowadays because generally the U.S. goes over and bombs you. <laughs> I mean, that's what they, there'd be no other, no other gods but me. And, and, and that's how it really works, isn't it? And talking about how society is completely finished, it's kaput, culturally and everything, other way. And we're debased too by the media and debased by entertainment. And you see it all around you. Uh, and this is an article here from Britain. Uh, and Britain really is such a mess in these, these cities, these overcrowded cities where they've been thrown into, these dumps uh, and the high-rises that were just thrown up, these prefabricated monstrosities that, that, that are, are damp and f- full of fungus after a week after they open them. Anyway, Sittenberg's family uh, fight killers sex change. No kidding. This is an axe murderer. Jim and Judy uh, White uh, says, have started a petition against prisoners receiving national health service. You can't get an operation here if you're dying, but you can get a sex change. It says, a family of, of a Kent man who was beaten to death are campaigning to stop his killer getting a sex change in prison. Relatives of Clive White have said taxpayers should not pay for treatment for jailed Robert Page from Sittingburn, who's now using the name Emma. 
Oh, the Department of Health said prisoners had the right to receive the same national health service as anyone else. This is all free, you know. As I say, if you've got cancer there, just just you know do yourself in because the time you wait for treatment, you've had it anyway. But uh, they'll give you a sex change. Oh, it's mental distress, you know. Mental distress if you can't turn from one thing to the other. And the taxpayer should pay for that too, you know. Uh, disabled Mr. White of Sittingburn was attacked with an axe and hammer in 2000, the year 2000. This is a, a, a real sweetheart that did him in, eh? He was already disabled. Attacked with an axe and a hammer in 2000. Page was jailed in 2001. Page, who was 24 at the time, lived four doors away from Mr. White, who was 56 at the time of the killing. In 2003, his murder conviction was quashed. That's what they do, you see. You know, this is the liberalism, and this is a strange, strange law system you have. You've got to look at the law system, and once you understand the law system, where it came from, go into where it came from, and, and study it properly, and you'll understand why you're in the system you're in today. Anyway, it says a guilty plea to manslaughter and was accepted. He is now in Her Majesty's Prison, Wakefield, West Yorkshire. Same rights as anyone. So, yep, he's now called Emma. Just call me Emma. Or I'll stick this axe in your head. See, I suppose, you know. And we're supposed to put up with this rubbish, this rubbish, as we pamper and pamper people who used to, just like Napoleon, you know, you know kill me or, or call me Napoleon or I'll kill you. And they used to have other ways to deal with them. And uh, this is an interesting article here. <laughs> it's quite funny. It's like something from a TV series. It says, Welcome to Quail Hollow Farm, CSA. Community-supported agriculture. This is what happened in the States just recently. And, uh, dearest guests, you have all become dear to us. What an evening we had this last Friday night. Had all the makings of a really great novel, a drama, suspense, anticipation, crisis, heroic efforts, villains and victors, resolution and a happy ending. This is them cracking down on farms. It's just absurd now. The evening was everything I dreamed it would hope to be. The weather was perfect. The farm was filled with friends and guests roaming around, talking about organic, sustainable farming practices. Our young interns were teaching and sharing their passion for farming and their role in it. I high hope for the future. The pig didn't get loose. Our guests were excited to spend an evening together. The food was prepared exquisitely. The long dinner table under the direction of dear friends was absolutely stunningly beautiful. The music was superb. The stars were bright and life was really good. And then, since for a few moments it felt like the rug was pulled out from underneath us, my wonderful world came crashing down as guests were mingling, finishing tours of the farm. And while the first course of the meal was being prepared and ready to be set out, or set out, a Southern Nevada Health District employee came in for an an inspection. Because this was a gathering of people invited to the farm for dinner, I had no idea that the health department would become involved. I received a phone call from them two days before the event, informing me that because this was a public event, and she said, I would like to know what is the definition of public and private, we would be required to apply for a special use permit. If we did not do so immediately, we'd be charged a ridiculous fine. Stunned, we immediately complied. So they paid this in advance, right? That's not good enough, you see. We were in the middle of our harvest day for our CSA shares, a very busy time for us, but Monty immediately left to comply with the demand and filled out the required paperwork and paid for the fee. Did I mention that we live in Overton, nowhere near a health department office? 
Paperwork now in order, he was informed that we would not actually be given the permits until an inspector came to check it all out. She came literally while her guests were arriving. In order to overcome any troubles with the health department of cooking on the premises, most of the food was repaired in a certified kitchen in Las Vegas. And to further remove any doubt, we rented a certified kitchen trailer to be here on the farm for preparation of the meals. The inspector, Mary Oates, clearly not the one in charge of inspection, and she was constantly on the phone with her superior, Susan, somebody who was calling all the shots from who knows where. Susan deemed her food unfit for consumption and demanded that we call off the event because some of the prepared food packages did not have labels on them. The code actually allows for this if it is to be consumed within 72 hours. Number two, some of the meat was not USDA certified. Did I mention that this was a farm-to-fork meal? That's what they call it, farm-to-fork when you arrive at the farm. Some of the food that was prepared in advance was not up to temperature at the time of inspection because it was being prepared to be brought to proper temperature for serving when the inspection occurred. Number four, when the vegetables prepared in advance had to be thrown out because they were cut and were then considered a biohazard. No kidding, a biohazard. Yep. Number five, we did not have receipts for our food. Oh, you keep receipts for your food now, eh? Reminder, this food came from farms, not from the supermarket. I have talked with several chefs who have said that in all their years of cooking, they've never been asked for receipts. At this time, Monty, trying to reason with Susan to find a possible solution for the problem, suggested turning this event from a public event to a private event by allowing the guests to become part of our farm club, thus enabling any jurisdiction or responsibility on their part. This idea infuriated Susan and threatened that if we did not comply, the police would be called and personally escort our guests off the property. This is your own property, remember. Says, this is not the vision of, of the evening we had in mind, so gratefully, regretfully, we again we complied. The only way to keep our guests in the property was to destroy the food. This is the conditions that the, this little petty official set out. I can't tell you how sick it was. I was watching the, the first dish of mint lamb meatballs hit the bottom of the unsanitized trash can. Here we were with guests who had paid in advance and had come from long distances away, anticipating a wonderful dining experience, waiting for dinner while we're a bit behind the kitchen curtain, throwing it away. I know of the hours and labor that went into the, prepar- the preparation of that food. We asked the inspector if we could save the food for a private family event that we were having the next day, a personal family choice to use our own food. Uh, we were denied. You, 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 can you believe this? Can you, this, do you understand... What has to be done, folks? Do you understand what has to be done? Do you? We were denied and she was insulted that we would even consider endangering our family's health. I assured her that I had complete faith and trust in Giovanni, our chef, and the food that was prepared, obviously, or I wouldn't be wanting to serve it to the guests. I then asked if we couldn't feed the food to our public guests or even to our private family. Then at least let us feed it to the pigs. I think it should be a criminal action to waste any resource of the, of the land. Being dedicated to organic farm, we are, ne- we are forever looking for good inputs into our compost and soil and good food that can be fed to the animals. The animals in compost file always get our leftover garden surplus and food. We're truly trying to be as sustainable as possible. Again, a call to Susan and another negative response. No, you can't feed to the pigs either. Okay, so let me get this right. So the food that was raised here on the farm and selected and gathered from familiar local sources, cooked and prepared with skill and love, was even unfit to feed to the pigs. 
who gave them the right to tell me what I feed my animals. Not only were we denied the use of the food for any purpose, to ensure that it was truly unfit for feed of any kind, we were again threatened with police action if we did not only throw the fish in the trash, but then to add insult to injury, we were ordered to pour bleach on it by the official from the government. So now the food is also unfit for compost, and so on and so on and so on. Hundreds of pounds of food was good for nothing but adding to your ever-increasing landfill. So it just shows you how bad things truly are. But there's a reason for all of this. The reason is being, you see, that in the near future, in the near future, folks, you will get a little chitty. There's a ration card for you to get food because under the interdependence system of this world, and the big chain farms that you have now, these big Walmart-style farms, as I saw, they are chain farms. They've taken over as they put all the small farmers out of business, thanks to your governments being lobbied and complying with the big chains and taking their money for it, of course, uh, that you have to be able to uh, put your money up for the best bidders, and not only the best bidders across the world, but also to countries that can't afford it, you see. This is the redistribution of wealth. But your tax money will support the funding of it being transported over to those countries and the buying of it for them on their behalf, you see. I'm not kidding about this. This is why all this madness is coming down and more and more restrictions. They're not stupid. The ones at the very top are not stupid at all. They're petty bureaucrats are. But the people at the top know exactly where it's all coming down to and why. You will see. You will see. Now, we'll go to a caller. It's Alex from Victoria who's hanging on there, if Alex is still there. Hey there. Yes. How are you? Not so bad, yeah. We went to the uh, legislature here in uh, Victoria this morning yep. uh, for the uh, Memorial Valley and, and uh, you know the, the service that they hold for the uh, veterans and deceased uh, veterans and disabled veterans that fought for allegedly for freedom and democracy and we watched the charade unfold and it was so obvious after listening to you know you talking about history and the agencies of social control and everything what was really going on it was like seeing it through a completely different light a different eye um the the most profound thing about the the service was that the uh the uh the quote-unquote defense department was actually making it rain on them. They completely whipped up this weather system, yep. which uh, broke up just after the uh, the uh, rally and um, or the service and, and the parade and everything. And you could see the electromagnetic uh, plasma gas fro- floating apart and black clouds and stuff floating apart. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we sort of filmed the the weather, and recently, like uh, a couple hours later, the sky was actually boiling. They had the ARP system whizzing it about and making hail and all kinds of weird rainbows and colors in the sky. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's normal, though. For, for those who've been watching it since they really started it, uh, about 98, they, they were doing it daily then. Uh, and the year 2000 is when they put HARP on uh, 24 hours per day. 
uh, then uh, it's, it's nothing new. But for the rest of the public, they're still down on a lower-level news. Again, lower-level reality. They're caught up in, uh, in all the Wall Street stuff, etc., the protests. But they, don't, they can't get into the higher stuff, too. The, the high-tech is being used, high-technotronic warfare on the general population. And, I mean, Kissinger talked about that and Brzezinski. And said eventually that'll be the way that they'll pacify whole whole continents of people, and it's working awfully well. well you know, when it rains now, when you, when it's spraying and the rain follows it, you can almost tell what kind of spring because you know it's going to rain by the different colours of them or shades of them. And uh, you know, everyone's tired as can be. As soon as the rain starts, everybody wants to go to their beds during the day. You know, so uh, it's affecting us too, and. Um, and so many, I mean, once again, uh, the, the medical establishments know, they, they get the statistics daily fed into central computers in Ottawa, of, across Canada, from all doctors' offices and hospitals. And so. They know the amount of people are coming in with, with this repeated bronchitis that they get, they never smoke in their lives, and all the usual stuff, and uh, they can't clear it up. The pharmacists all know it, because they're selling all the different stuff to try, and, and uh, uh, bronchodilators and all the rest of it. Uh, and, but it's, it's no big concern. It's no crisis, even though it's, it's more than gone up tenfold in the last ten years. It's no crisis. They all know what's causing it, of course. But uh, it's a slow cull on, on a lot of people, and some people get hit worse than others, depending on your age group and so on. But it's, this is like this is a cull that's going on. Yeah. They, they probably should have smoked. It might help them actually, yeah, and because they cough up the stuff and rather than go through their alveoli, the tissue into the bloodstream. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you'd get less um, less of it into the bloodstream through the uh, the alveoli. Yeah, yep. um, it was really interesting. I, I went down there. I kind of made sure that I, I had some uh, people on the ready to to play uh, catch if if something had happened. But I went down there to try and wake up people um, that were in the armed services, whether they military or law enforcement, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just wanted to go up and say what was actually going on and how everything was reversed and. Know how the whole thing had been played out through the Rothschilds, like um, funding all sides of every conflict and That's harming right. them, you know. And um, I just looked into these people's eyes, and, and they have this attitude that, you know, they're just indoctrinated. It's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, hold on, and I'll get to you. I, I generally wear a black poppy that gets some comments, and I'll explain why. Back after this break. Folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and just on about uh, Remembrance Day, Veterans Day, it's all the same thing, really. And uh, and how it's a good idea to wear a black poppy because uh, people will ask you, well, why is that black? And you tell them why it's black. You tell them why the wars are all farce as far as the people are concerned to actually do the fighting. And they pick young guys instead of older guys because older guys have got a bit more wisdom by that time. And uh, you can get some conversations sparked off as to why they're really fighting and the, the geopolitics behind it. And, of course, the big bunny grubbers that use them, just like private armies. That's really all they are. That's why, that's why they're called a private when you join the army. You're privately owned now, you see. And uh, uh, so it, it's, it's good to have some conversation pieces uh, by wearing, uh, starting out by wearing a black poppy. Try it and see what. And be able to handle yourself, too, because some, some of the guys who have just come out, most of the vets, actually, who just left don't go to these things. They're too... 
shell-shocked or whatever, uh, some of them will attend, and they're on a lot of drugs too after being over there. All kinds of, I think they're on seven different kinds of medication they're prescribed. It really does a number on their brain, and they can go wacky at times, so be careful of what you say. But uh, that's just the way it is, and I, I might try to sneak in Dave from Idaho if Dave is still there. Is Dave there? Hello, Dave. I'm here. Yes, go ahead, Dave. Yeah. yeah, how you doing? Not bad at all, yeah. Oh, I'm glad for that. You've been gone through an entire a week of operation here. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. A, a week of operation. Yeah. yeah, you've been explaining a lot of things that a lot of people that, you're, that are listening to you are absolutely not getting. I know, I know. I, yeah, it's horrible. And yeah. and I get I get you on that. Yeah. Well, it's I, I, it's, it's depressing when when you actually do things uh-huh. and to help people and to actually inform people, and they just flat don't get it. They don't get it. No, no. They're they're still caught up in in the, in the, the, the see. The, you understand too, for the patriot systems. Let's put it that way. There's a lot of daily news just thrown out there. And it's, it keeps you in that days, and it's forgotten the next day. But you try to tell them the whys and the wherefores of why things are happening and explain, uh, to show them that, that nothing's by chance. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, you, you, maybe one in, in a hundred will, will get it. Hopefully. If you're lucky. Other ones just go, go on to the next show and, and listen to the rest of the stuff, you know. Yeah. yeah well, I think actually going back to the symbology of it. Yeah. So you can see the basis of how things work. Yeah, mm-hmm. is, is far more important. And Absolutely, I, I love that. I Absolutely. do love that. I'm in love Britain. That in all of your, uh, you do that so well. Even the term uniform as one, you know, that's what it means. Uh, where they'd all be the same, and they get drilled, and again, this, this Masonic Kabbalistic idea of how they're trained, uh, square bashing, they call it, uh, trained on the square, and on all the terms, all come from a form of masonry which is a deeper root, of course. But uh, this is what they're used for. They're, like pri- they're used privately for big corporations. Uh, whole nations now are used by big corporations. We all are, as individuals, uh, used as, as by the big corporations. Our tax money gets thrown at them by the train load to bail them out all the time. And we still think we have countries. Who's kidding who? But thanks for calling. And from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, where we might get snow tonight. It's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you. Remember to help and uh, hopefully uh, gives me some buy some books and donate. See you on Monday.